what's it like working for Mark Cuban? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to even not even approach <laughs> that one. Well, let, let you off the on hook. Shark Tank. Yeah. Shark Tank. What are you selling, Arch? It depends. Get me the shot, and I'll figure it out. Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, two Major League Rugby executives and Power McCarthy and Corbacero review the draft. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub. The Murphy Kennedy Group, founded with the idea that construction can be done better. And Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Good to have you. Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan, and I am joined by some all-stars of the pundit world, the playing world, and the front office world in rugby. And I have none other than Mr. Alex Corbicero once again calling in from San Diego. I have Mr. Dan Power calling in from what looks to be the poor man's Paris. It's a beautiful night here in Dallas. And Stephen Lewis, no baseball cap, a crisp, clean shirt, and showered. And that can only mean one thing. That means that Stephen Lewis is the lizard slash cat out of the bag in the Major League Rugby executive suites across the globe. Stephen, from what I, I gather, depending on who I talk to over at your organization, you are either the rugby operations muckety-muck or the interim GM. And you were full on involved in the draft and signings of Rooney players. But we'll get to that in a minute. How are you? Excellent. I'm up in the Upper West Side, Bougieville, as usual. Is this breaking news? Has there, is there a new nah. law about residency? Nah, well, rugby need to, they do need to reform that, I think. How many? Five years? Is that enough from your last cap to be able to play again? I think that's for, fair. For a different country, you mean? Like, yeah. Rugby league do it. Can't you do it in sevens? I just don't have the... Physical output for sevens, mate. It was a dispensation for the Olympics, but um, to be honest, I'm not sure of the current status that. Dan? Team on me. Well-informed show. Well-informed panel <laughs> yeah. you've got here. Yeah, we've got this. We've got this. <laughs> Folks, you have, a bit, you have a lot to look forward to in our MLR draft analysis coming up right now. Dan, you are the Mel Kuyper of rugby. You're the college rugby guy. You, you were there. You were, you were front and center. You had a suit on and a tie. Walk us through history, Dan. Walk us through the first ever Major League Rugby draft. Yeah, it was, it was good. What a night. What an occasion. Excited to be a part of it. Danny Waxelman was the real star, though. The, the host of the show and then the players were the real stars. Got to give credit to, what well, can we say now, Steve Lewis with Rugby United? Is that, I guess I just said it. So, Steve Lewis and his counterparts throughout the league who bought in and really made it a great night as well. So, I think all in all, the feedback has been really, really positive. There's a couple of things we'd like to fix, obviously, from my end on the production side of things. I'm sure the teams as well. But um, overall, I gave, I gave it a, a two thumbs up. On a whole, I thought it was fantastic. I really actually enjoyed watching it. I like the player interviews. I like getting current players in, talking about their journey. And, and I do think it, it did come out as a success, especially from a PR point of view. It was good to watch, good for the league. And I've always been a big believer that the collegiate you know, um, system is the feeder system and the pathway for MLR. My only ever objections were worrying about how soon it was rolled out and was it a reaction to the COVID and, and, and is it the, the necessity right now? But, I, but all credit to everyone involved. And I, I, I really enjoyed actually watching it. And I think um, 
I was very, very impressed with you guys in the presentation. And, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is coming from a guy that was no big fan of the draft. No, nah, I, I just, like I said, my initial reaction was, oh, we're going to do that now. Like, I thought, obviously, down the line, I thought this was inevitable. My only ever questions were on how early in a process of MLR still in its infancy. And my worries were, it, I would see it be more um, beneficial to facilitate players that regionally maybe are t like uh, align with teams and a lot the sort of best working or scenarios for these players to help them, you know, on their journey through rugby and life, because it is a bit of a sacrifice financially to chase this dream in America. But I also realized maybe on reflection, I had a little bit of say maybe European pathway bias where uh, I, you know, to, to, to tarnish people that are chasing that dream or clubs that are trying to give that offer to those kids and seeing what it means. I think, you know, full circle, maybe I was a little uh, grumpy on the day, but uh, I, I, I've been turned around and I credit the MLR and you guys as well for, for, for fighting that argument and for everyone just delivering a good product to watch. Steve, Alex's mea culpa slash apology notwithstanding, this was your first ex exposure to a major league rugby draft, and yet it wasn't as a fan. It wasn't as uh, a pundit itching to criticize. It was as a player in the scheme of drafting. Yeah, so I think, I think overall from a rugby perspective, it was a great event. Okay, it was exciting. Um, yeah, collegiate players, you know, we didn't know about before. We were sort of uh, with two rounds. You had to research, you know, probably 80 to 100 players. So that's beneficial for everyone because the clubs are getting to look at more players. We did a lot of work in this. And it was quite interesting to get to the Friday afternoon and make a decision we don't want to pick. But we'd gone through it pretty rigorously. We felt we had picked 9 and 21, you know, so... I felt this year actually was a bit of a down year in terms of talent for College Town. You know, I've obviously been involved with the Collegiate All-Americans for a while. Familiar but, with the level but Steven, of talent. Steven, let me, let me interrupt here because I, I'm speaking for the people. When I, when I ask this question, how effing dare you trade away the future of Rugby United New York for a foreign player slot and a, and a salary cap dump? How dare you, sir? You want a real answer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got to make it, it's a business. You've got to make a business decision. Is anyone you're going to pick at 9 or 21 going to be in your starting 23 the following year? In my estimation, there wasn't. We had, our, we had targeted three or four guys we were going to go for, but it picked 9 and it picked 21. And with the, shall we say, the intelligence we had about what other teams were doing, we felt those picks were valuable on Friday and would have no value on Sunday. So... Just for our circumstances this year, on this occasion, knowing what we knew, we decided we'd rather get an extra foreigner spot. And, and I'd like to say, I think Steve did something pretty smart. Like, there's, there's always going to be the question or the objection of, should we be having more foreigners, not the goodness of the cause for USA Rugby? While, while we're all sort of wanting MLR to do well, the core is that American rugby players, everything come through the league and go well and don't get quashed out with foreigners. But I, I actually liked how he strategically thought what is best for the team, what is best for next year. And also, honesty with his picks. You don't want to draft two kids with these like false hopes of coming here that might want to play, and he already knows the reality is the chances are they're not going to be involved. It's better to let those kids go somewhere else that might actually use them as well. So I kind of, I, 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 as much as I, I saw the heat coming in on the, on the grill, I kind of 
have a, a soft spot for how he, how he played the game. Yeah, I mean, there's no one more committed to collegiate rugby than, say, myself or Greg McWilliams over the years, right? And then American rugby, same, throw in Marty as well. So we believe in American rugby players and we believe in collegiate talent. But on this particular occasion, we just went in a different direction. The very, very fortunate thing for us, at the end of the day, we got our man. So it was a, it was a double win for us. We managed to sign Connor Buckley, who was our number one pick and who's the guy we were going after. Uh, we just didn't... Uh, believe he was available. So it was, we were delighted and for us, selfishly, that he was available and we're delighted he's come on board as a hometown boy. And we got, good, we got big plans for him in terms of development and what we're gonna put around him. So we were very happy with the way the whole thing has unfolded now. What Bruce McLean said, Bruce McLean's been around the block. He's got a great coaching resume. And he said, he is the best player, the best American player I have coached at any level. For Rooney fans, I, I buy Steve Lewis a drink because yeah. hindsight will judge him, you know, down the road. But right now, you know, the rumors that I got and the whispers that I got were that Connor Buckley was their number one pick and they didn't see him being available at nine, which I think for most part, none of us did. I, I certainly did not have him going pretty early. Uh, they tried to trade up to get Connor when that wasn't a possibility. He did the smartest thing a general manager could do, take the value that he had, get rid of it, reevaluate, you know, have a foreign spot, have you know, uh, a reevaluation of talent at that point. And then I'm sure come Saturday evening at the end of the draft, the lizard was licking his lips. He was like, how good is this? I've got a foreign spot. I'm going to get the guy I want in free agency. You know, he, he comes out of this smelling like a rose. But so does Dallas. I don't think there's a loser in that trade because Dallas need players. They're building a franchise down there. So it was a great trade for Steve and Rooney fans. So don't get all, you traded our future away, Matt. He, well, he's done the right thing. Connor Buckley is your future and he got him. So well played. Lizard looks like a genius right now. I love it. I've got some ideas here, but what does anyone think could be improved for the draft for next year? From the talent side of things, and this could be also pandemic related, I would love to see a combine, which is not overly conducive because I think there's so much to rugby that, can't be proven in numbers, but I'd like to see a combine and then I'd like to see a possible probable style game as well. So college East, college West game where talent scouts can come out and I'd like to have it as a, a curtain raiser, whether it be the MLR championship game or maybe one of the semifinals. I, th I thought there was some issues around eligibility and paperwork. I thought uh, MLR, you know, it's, it's the, it wasn't going to be a perfect process and you have to start the process in, in order to improve it. But certainly one of the, the bugs was they were relying on USA Rugby's membership database. We all know what happens there. And there was some, unfortunately, there was some confusion about certain players' eligibility. I think a completely live show, if it's, when it's possible, would be great too. They got the thing off the ground. I thought that was an accomplishment in itself. There's always room for improvement. You know, just doing this little show, there's always, you know, how has it, it improved? week to week, et cetera, for what it was and for the pandemic and not everybody being able to be in a studio and coordinate and all that, I, I thought it was great. But Steven, I got one other question for you. The NCAA rules don't really apply here at all, right, for college sports. So are you allowed to go speak to, you know, what, how is that? way yeah. in you, if you could and, and there was no pandemic would you be able to go talk to players and and 
skirt the NCAA stuff? Yeah, well, NCAA has no standing. Um, the, the agreement was really a fairly loose one between um, MLR and D1 rugby. So Paul Keeler, Kevin Battle, those guys. Um, so it wasn't really codified. Um, the instructions we received that you were allowed to talk to players, but you were not allowed to engage in any discussion about contracts or any figures. So it's kind of a fudge. Um, were, was, were a player to sign a contract or, or, or even um, practice with a MLR team, you would lose your D1 eligibility. But that's a decision D1 makes. It doesn't actually apply to national collegiate rugby, which was Enscro. Um, and there were three or four players coming out of NCR. So, so there were two, there's two bodies there, and so it needs to be sort of uniform, and th that sort of stuff needs to be worked through. It's all perfectly doable. We got to take a quick break, and we're going to bring in our guest, the man behind the Dallas Jackals' first ever draft in the Major League in Major League Rugby, Mr. Phil Camp. So don't go away. We'll be right back. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. This time, our esteemed panel of Mr. Dan Power, Mr. Alex Corbusero, Mr. Stephen Lewis are joined by the general manager of the new guys, the new kids on the block, one of the new kids on the block in Major League Rugby, the Dallas Jackals, Mr. Phil Camp. Phil, welcome. How are you doing, Matt? Are, are the Houston Texans the worst name in sports, or is it the Giltinis or Gilgronis? Uh, I'm going to say no comment on that one. You know I'm not going to answer that. You guys were full-on involved in the draft, and you were full-on involved in a trade. Can you walk us through the trade? Obviously, new team. Um, the year of COVID, it made recruitment uh, in a conventional way very challenging. So we were really, really grateful for, for the draft being this year. And I think with the coaching staff we're bringing in, we're looking to develop younger players. Um, so the, uh, the opportunity to, to take on two more draft picks and uh, maybe reduce our foreigner cap a little bit we thought was a uh, it worked in our favor and obviously after talks with uh, with new york it, it worked in their favor as well so it seemed like a good way of getting the uh, the new team started honor mooneyham was your first pick will he be a player that we look back and say wow that was a great number one pick i think i think it was a great pick i really do i mean there's a couple of guys in the draft who could have gone in but uh, connor's versatility and his maturity far exceeded a lot of the people that i was looking at in the draft as well so um, I, I feel as though it's a plug-and-play option for Dallas. They're going to get a guy who can start in the 23 next year and super versatile. Like, he played a lot on the wing at life, played in some centers. He's played a little bit of 10, a bit of fullback as well. So it just gives Alan Clark and Elaine Vassy a bunch of options down there as they start filling out the rest of their off, uh, roster. Alex, you've got, we've got a, a nice mix here. We've got a guy that was at the draft handling the draft. You've got the two GMs, but you're a player. What's it like for a player? in that scenario to get drafted? I, I think it's a fantastic feeling. I think it's that first step uh, on, on sort of the next road of your journey. And, and there's a lot of uncertainty, unknowns, but I, there's just going to be so much excitement because, you know, you've been chasing this dream. The, these kids would have, you know, 
fantasized that there would be a pro league coming out of college, probably when they started their college dream. The, the rise of MLR during their sort of collegiate cycle to be in a position to draft, to see expansion teams, to see a league that looks like it has some decent longevity behind it. Um, and then to get that experience to actually be a part of it straight out of college, um, especially in Dallas, which is a new team, uh, starting from scratch, building from the base, being a young guy in there on the ground, having ownership, being involved in sort of the culture, the way you're going to build something hopefully special there. Um, it's a fantastic opportunity. Phil, having had Alex on the show and, and hanging out with him socially sometimes and getting to know him a little bit, that was him saying to you that he is available next year to play for your team anywhere really in the front row that you, you cause it's kind of, you know, he'll adapt, but it's, it's about cash. How do you get up there? The, yeah, there we go, mate. The how do we make this happen? And Steve, you're, you're free to get into this bidding war right now because you know, props are at a premium. You can't afford Alex. Nah. Just in That's why Steve traded for one more foreigner. <laughs> he wants, he wants me. So, okay, Phil, if you, if you, you want to go for a player of the caliber of an Alex Corbisero, can you do it with the salary cap and the constraints that you're under? Well, we, we learned this morning, yes, you can. <laughs> you, mean, you mean we're talking about Robshaw or? Robshaw, yeah. I don't want to talk about salary cap and say anything like that. I like Chris. I know we're going to talk about him coming to the league. Very excited about that. Fantastic player and also a very sort of clubman, uh, one club guy at Harlequins. The, I think the value he'll bring off the field, helping the players around him. He is one of the good guys in rugby as well. I've played with him and against him for a long time. There's a lot of rugby players, some very, very talented guys who are either out of work or getting their salaries cut. Uh, their contracts are changing. They're looking for a different environment. They're thinking post-rugby careers and where do they want to live. Um, so I'm sure like every other team, we get bombarded by by highlight reels and, and CVs, resumes from players all over the world. We know we're a first-year team. We know we have to spend some time building. And we've got the coaching team to do that. But bringing in Lee this morning brings a new dynamic. So the players we look for are the players that we can we can mold and they can, they can grow with the team. They can help us build a culture. And, and they're going to be with us for two or three years. One follow-up on that. When you're looking at sort of your foreign signings, are there certain positions that you sort of – pin for foreigner specific slots say like 10 9 tight head lock or is it basically you just have to find the way you want to play and see who comes in and see who fits sort of your mold or do you or do you sort of tend to lean on those sort of positions more for maybe an experienced foreigner yeah obviously the experience carries a lot of weight in the spine of the team so looking to the key positions um, having a guy that's got some experience and can help deliver alan's message onto the field um, that's key doesn't necessarily exclude a, a domestic player. There's some really talented um, American players out there, as we all know. So we certainly wouldn't um, only look overseas exclusively, but if there's, uh, if there's somebody out there that can be a leader on the field and has got a few years behind him playing in, in the premiership or super rugby, then obviously it would be foolish not to look at them. Yeah, so obviously, we, we, you know, we've got Greg McLeod, we've got Marty Veal, myself. We've got pretty good connections most places in, uh, across the globe. But you do look to things like Mitre 10 because the season complements our season. Who's yeah. going to be available? You know, a premiership player in England, it's not going to happen. So you've got seasons. Seasonality is one thing. And I think something that's become an issue tail end of last year moving forward is visas. 
P1 visas, professional sports, a little trickier than they were, obviously political climate, et cetera, as well. So, so really, you're almost having to, to guarantee a player getting a visa, it has to be all one extraordinary ability, which essentially means capped. So there's a little shift on the type of player that certainly we're looking for, because we, we're not spending five, six grand a visa if we can't get them in. Would the ITM qualify under those O1s, or does that mean, is, is that enough? Because I know premier, a lot of the time, it's like a sevens cap, a cap, but premiership or super can still, um, can still sort of do it. But is ITM or, say, Curry Cup enough these days? And then secondly, I've also heard under 20s as well, uh, a cap at under 20s level is also very valuable for the visa. I would say the under 20s is, is pushing it. It's interesting because the players playing the same league have been accepted and other players have been denied, which may just be the paperwork or perhaps the attorney. I think those are all valid points on, on that. The, um, the sevens thing's an interesting thing. Obviously, I've got a bit of a sevens background. You might see some sevens players showing up. Uh, any Jamaican think sevens, sevens players showing up? I'll match your sevens and I'll bring rugby league players in. Fair. Good. Very good. I, th I think that's fair as well. For, for me, sevens is, is – there's a lot of uncertainty about sevens. You've seen a lot of the New Zealand guys trying to jump in uh, where they can now. Like, even England, um, you know, uh, players putting their, you know, their highlights up, you know, guys who are contract to sevens, uncertainty about the future and unions. I, th I think it's rife. I've always thought even, even countries say like Wales – and Ireland, sevens that maybe have more fringe squads. Those guys getting capped coming in as well, to me, always look like a, like a good, good place to shop around as well. Global pandemic, economic crisis, rugby's no exception. Championship going part-time. Player cuts probably 20, 25% across the globe. There's going to be a lot of good players and they're, and they're going to be available pretty much shortly. And then following that, with the shape of the potential global season that might get implemented, um, and then we might see a shift in where certain competitions sit in the year. Is there any potential that MLR shifts or will that global season shift then mean something like the, the ITM Cup isn't as, isn't as in sync with MLR? Like are, are MLR involved in those discussions in any way? Do they have to be represented by USA Rugby? Is there a way that MLR will sort of be monitoring that to, to, to the layout of their next season or are they just going to continue sort of as they've built for the last three years now? I think that's probably above our pay grade, you know, it's all the committees up there, but um, Major League Rugby is situated where it is because of where it is in the American sporting landscape, right? So I think that's, that makes sense. That's why it's there. You're right, though. If, if, if the game shifts globally, I think MLR probably has to stay where it is and would have to adjust on the back end rather than trying to follow anything that global rugby imposes. But interested in what you think, Phil. So you've got to look at the geography as well, the U.S., and that's something that I think we're somewhat unique in. You've got teams down in Houston and teams up in Vancouver and, and Toronto, and you've got two great extremes of rugby there. Um, you, you, can't, you can't move the season around without being cognizant of that. And the window we have right now is probably about as, as best as we can get when it comes to the, the weather, um, unless teams start investing in, in domed stadiums, which... Um, yeah, the price point's coming down, but we're still a long way off that. So we have to be wary of that as well. In your backyard, Phil, you have the Dallas Cowboys. And as everything starts to restart, Zeke Elliott and a couple other Cowboys, and I'm not sure it, it might be more at this point while, while we're taping this, but they've tested positive. How is that going to impact the restart of rugby when you're seeing the NFL, which is a similar contact sport, 
having these things and they have all the money under the sun to make sure they're doing things right? There's no right answer. I mean, Texas is very, very aggressive in how it's opening up again. Um, there's, yeah, we see the numbers rising every day. That said, we've got a long time before our season starts. So um, it, we're not going to jump ahead. We're not going to make any silly decisions right now. We're going to watch. We're going to see what happens. Um, we're going to learn from the Cowboys. And we've got some, I mean, we've got Donnie Nelson on board. We've got the time with the NBA. We've got the MLB um, input as well. So we can learn from those guys and Hopefully, the answer will become clearer come fall. One last question. How happy would you be if Alex Corbacero was in a Rugby United New York jersey in the front row next year? I'd be personally, I'd be delighted. Delighted. How long is his contract and what's it costing me? Exactly. So that was a smarter play as a GM because now, you know, if you said, you should have said, bargaining. I like his bargaining strategy. Yeah. Look at that. He's already playing for the Eagles. Uh, before we go, final thoughts, 30 seconds, Dan Power. Great week for Major League Rugby. Can't wait for Dallas and LA to join in 2021. And excited for our good friend Steve Lewis to be working at Rooney. That's a great hire from the group there to bring him back in. Steve Lewis coming on is an absolute gold move by Rooney. Love the name, the Jackals. Excited they're taking young players and looking to build. And lastly, just desperate to watch some more rugby. Obviously, watching the Super Rugby was a little treat, but uh, just quietly creeping towards rugby's return i think around the world is is getting me excited uh great week for mlr the draft went well you know a couple of teething problems but it's uh, it's going to be even better bigger and better next year uh i would just like to thank dan power for his kind words alex for his um outfit and look forward to dealing with phil on and off the field going forward and best of luck to the jackals and the other team in la who shall not be named yeah, no, we did it the Dallas way. We're fashionably late to the party. Um, but we think we've got a good outfit. Got some great coaches. Saw about Lee being announced this morning. So hopefully the rugby league aspect will, uh, will give a little bit of different dynamic to our team, the other ones. I'm just excited to get involved and hope we can throw around a few rugby balls soon. We're happy to have you. And it's great to see in year three that there is expansion rather than attrition. My final thought is, Phil, in case you haven't uh, completely understood, yours truly Dan Power and Alex Corbacero are complete shills and can be bought. So anytime you want us in Dallas, we'll be there for the right price. There's definitely a price on it. On that note, I want to thank Mr. Phil Cam, Mr. Alex Corbacero, Mr. Dan Power, and my beloved native New Yorker, Stephen Lewis. I'm Matt McCarthy. On behalf of all these gentlemen for Rugby Wrap-Up, signing off.